Hey everyone, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community board, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders. In addition, I've written a book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are and you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. The paperback and ebook versions are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back not only to those individuals that want to get in this business, for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. What do you think of when you hear NCAA championships? How many total do you think there are? My guess is your answer is probably 10 to 15, if not lower. The NCAA has 90 championships across 23 sports in three different divisions. And I'm really excited to have our next guest, the Director of Marketing and Ticketing for the NCAA Championships and Alliances, Josh Logan. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Travis. Thanks for uh, having me. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and uh, podcast, and um, looking forward to uh, actually uh, participating in one. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And Josh, we're very excited to have you here on 52 Weeks Hustle, and really excited to talk to you about your career journey and your life journey. So let's start with your current role, where you've now been with the NCAA for over 10 years. You're responsible for the ticket and hospitality revenue that exceeds $130 million across the NCAA championships. So let's start it easy. What does your day-to-day look like? Well, there, well, day-to-day is a little different now with COVID and then uh, you know, post-COVID and pre-COVID. Um, but, you know, we, we have an office in Indianapolis. I live out in the suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, NCAA headquarters has been in Indianapolis uh, since uh, 1999, I believe. Um, I've been here since 2010. Um, typical, yeah, I, I don't know if there ever is a typical day. Um, you know, we're, we're a fairly large organization. Uh, we have over 500 employees. Uh, we have 100, 100, uh, over 100 employees who just run our championships, those 90 championships that you, that you mentioned. Um, so, you know, probably like everyone, I think my typical day is, is managing my emails. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's the norm of, of communication nowadays. And so what I do is I, I block, block time on my daily schedule every day 
for, just for that purpose, to look at my emails, reply back. So I, I do it at the beginning of the day. I block time. I block an hour in the morning. I block an hour after lunch and then another hour at the end of the day. Now, I try to stick to that as much as I can um, and do that to, ma to manage my, my emails. Um, sometimes you get meetings that overlap those, but um, that's what I, what I attempt to do to manage my, my communication um, with, with and, that. So, and that's great advice that for, for efficiency, right? Everybody can get really bombarded with emails, and if they don't set up that time, an hour, you know, I love it, an hour in the morning, hour after lunch, hour at the end of the day to ensure that, that accuracy and a 24-hour response time. Yeah, so absolutely. So I, I try to stick to that, and then I try to either turn off my email or I, I don't put my notifications on during those other times. So with, with that, as we're very meeting-oriented at the NSA offices. So whether it's my, my own meeting with my staff uh, and my direct reports uh, or my supervisor and his direct reports, which is our kind of our department heads, uh, then we also can have, um, you know, meetings with um, – you know, regarding those championships, whether it's an internal meeting with with the NSA staff members or a combination of internal and external with our external partners that work on those championships, vendor meetings, um, and then obviously a project management time, um, you know, mixed in there and, and travel. You know, there's, there's days, uh, you know, again, a little bit before the COVID world, right. um, you know, a lot of my time, probably about a week a month uh, on average, uh, would be out, out traveling, whether those are site visits for, for the championships and preparation for it or being at the championship, because um, obviously we, we aren't having those championships all the time there in Indianapolis. So yep. that's kind of, you know, the makeup yep. of my day, which, you know, can vary based on the time of the year. I was going to say every day is certainly different. We're going to talk through in this podcast, you know, about being able to the communication with all the other venues because, to your point, not all NCAA championships are there in Indianapolis. And so you mentioned some of your staff. Like what does your current staff look like and kind of the makeup of some of the responsibilities? Yeah, uh, so like I mentioned, uh, the NCAA as a whole has 500 staff members at, at the national office and, again, about 100 of those within championships. I have a staff of eight full-time staff members. Uh, also, with, with those eight, I have a part-time staff member. We have three vendors who work in our office, uh, and we have two uh, students that we use in an extern program at a local university that typically come, come into our offices during the academic year. Um, so with all of those um, staff members, that's how we kind of divide up our workload uh, to run the different championships, and especially the, the sales, marketing, ticket operations efforts um, to run those championships and assign those staff members to, to championships and other duties as well, um, kind of divided up really in two parts, more of a uh, ticket operation, traditional ticket operations role um, uh, for some of the staff, which is about three of them. Yep. Uh, and then more of a marketing sales focus uh, for the other four full-time staff members, and then one who's more of a project manager. Um, so sense. that's kind of the makeup of uh, the full-time staff members there in the NSA offices here. Nice. You know, Josh, you, we've, we've talked a little bit about already, you know, over 90 championships. You and your team are really focused on, on 15 of them, with nine of those being a big focus. And so listeners probably think of the March Madness, the College World Series, the Frozen Four. What are some other significant ones that, that fall up under that championship umbrella? Yeah, uh, good point. Uh, March Madness, men's basketball, the Final Four, that's, that's our largest one with, with no doubt. Um, here this year we're, we're planning to uh, play that at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Um, but there are many others. Uh, one I always get asked about that we do not manage is the college football playoff or yep. college bowl games. So 
the, the football division, the bowl division, uh, those bowl games are run and managed independently. Um, and the college football playoff is run by a, a different group. Um, but of the ones that my group and I focus on, you mentioned men's basketball, March Madness. There's also the women's side. Yep. runs at the exact same time. Um, so there's the women's basketball tournament. In that same winter championship season, we have hockey, which ends with the Frozen Four. We have a wrestling championship, which is very large. And then we jump right into spring. Um, you know, we, we end uh, winter championships in April. And we have spring championships already in May. <laughs> That's uh, men's lacrosse. Uh, women's softball, and you mentioned the College World Series for men's baseball. Yep. And then, you, then you you know, you started off really in the fall season where you have the volleyball championship. Uh, and then football, as I mentioned, we don't do the college football playoff, uh, but we do run all the other divisions, Division Three, Division Two, and the Division uh, Division One FCS division. Yes. Yep. Um, and that's that's a larger one. And then you mix in some other championships, beach volleyball, men's and women's soccer, gymnastics, outdoor track and field, women's lacrosse. They're on that next tier level um, throughout the year. But those are yeah. kind of the 9 to 15 different championships that myself and my group focus on. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a busy time. And to your point, it's not just like this one big championship. All of a sudden, you know, come March or April, you're done. April and May, there's the next one. So, you know, and your office, you mentioned your office is centrally located kind of the United States there in Indianapolis. And many times on 52 Weeks of Hustle, we've discussed the importance of communication and overall efficiency. So given that you don't have a venue and championships are consistently in all other areas of the country, you've mentioned you and your team travel quite a bit. How do you maintain that communication and ultimately that accountability for other team members that may be at that venue? Yeah, um, well, you mentioned, um, you know, that none of these championships typically are in Indianapolis. We're always at different venues. Uh, so relationships with those venues and the people you're going to work with, uh, both from the in, from the venue itself, uh, from what we call local organizing committee, um, you know, their, their sports commission, their travel uh, and entertainment uh, district uh, that, that puts on and helps host events. So we'll have to work with, with them, and it's different each each group is uh, different. Um, each city runs it a little differently. Um, so, again, email communication in these working groups um, and then site visits where we meet with them more face-to-face. Um, with all that, for my, my group, it's, you know, our, our most common goal is very, very simple. We want to we have a sold-out event for our student-athletes at that marquee championship level. Um, so there's not a lot of room for air there. We, you know, we want to maximize attendance. Uh, we, want, we want full capacity. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we want to maximize revenue as much as possible. This is our, our largest revenue stream outside our broadcast and corporate partner, um, corporate partnerships. So, um, and, and we have a lot of volatility there that, you know, could go up or down based on um, team, teams that arrive and, and, right. and sites that we're at and capacity and things of that nature. So, um, you know, communication and accountability, um, you know, I look at it about, you know, certain aspects of, um, you know, uh, first building trust with, with my team um, and team members. Um, culture, culture has to be big. Yep. Uh, you know, healthy, healthy conflict for that culture uh, to, you know, ability to uh, openly air opinions and, and get different, different opinions um, and, and have that, have that uh, sales culture. Um, uh, for that championship, uh, team commitment, um, you need to get that buy-in, uh, for the staff members, and then you got to hold them accountable. 
and then ultimately, like I mentioned, you know, get the results and, and focus on collective success rather than individual success. And I think that's key. You know, there's a lot of people in this industry, you know, if you're working on just an individual team end of, hey, like, you know, I've, I've submitted my information to marketing or to, to PR, but, you know, they don't report to me, so what do I do? And I think building that right culture, having that one goal mentality is huge. And so, you know, just looking at, you know, probably one of the bigger ones you've mentioned and a lot of people know is March Madness. And just March Madness alone, you have 14 different sites. Uh, the games are being played at. And so, again, to maximize revenue and increase attendance, like how are you prioritizing you and your team's time on a consistent basis to ensure that all 14 of those sites maximize both of those on a consistent basis? Yeah, like you mentioned, for men's basketball, 14 sites in, within three weeks. Um, you know, now the, the advantage we have is we know those sites well in advance. You know, we're way out on a, on a bid cycle. Um, you know, three to five years ahead of time and working with these sites 12, 12 to 18 months ahead of time uh, for our sales cycle. Um, but it's a relatively small staff, myself and, and a couple of staff members focus on men's basketball because, again, we have to have other staff members focusing on the women's basketball tournament, the ice hockey uh, championship, all those going on at the same time. So, um, you know, I, I, signed the, I signed my staff members across those championships typically um, – Staff members work on two to three championships a season. Um, and, you know, our championships fall, winter, spring. So the more likely are allocated, uh, assigned a championship in fall, winter, and spring. Um, and then, and again, like I mentioned, we have those championships. We prioritize certain championships, those nine to 15. Yep. Um, we can't, can't focus with this smaller, you know, amount of staff on all 90 of our championships when it's 90 championships, but it's, it's six to 800 different um, sites running those championships. As you mentioned, March Madness is men's basketball has won championships, but that's 14 sites. Um, so assigning staff members those, those championships, but looking at their strengths and their weaknesses, um, their knowledge of the championship, their passion for, for the sport. You know, we, you know, we have people assigned to ice hockey and they're very passionate about ice hockey where, you know, they may not have that same feelings if they were working on women's basketball or men's basketball. A different one. Yep. Um, and, and they have the experience. Either the knowledge of the sport, the knowledge of the constituents and the sales, different salespeople that you need to be talking to um, from, you know, again, hockey, the hockey associations and et cetera. So those relationships help there. So, and then a fit within the team, the, the different working teams, have to, they have to fit in with the, the working team. It's not just sales and marketing um, that run a championships. There's right. the operations team, the, the uh, media, the social uh, media teams, um, corporate relations. So different team members, and so they have to be a, a good fit uh, to work and be flexible to work with different working groups across the way. Yeah, and it all comes down to that one goal mentality and into ensuring that right culture, which you guys in the NCAA have certainly built. And so, Josh, we're going to get into all the stops in your career, but you were with the Houston Rockets for eight-plus years prior to joining the NCAA. So I think one of the easy questions is, what were some of the similarities and differences, you know, working for one team and venue there in Houston versus what you're doing now, which, you know, just in the March Madness alone, there's 14 different venues and, you know, all, all across the country. Yeah, well, I'll start off with the differences. Maybe that's uh, easier to identify. That's the easier route. Yeah, well, the, I mentioned the organization size. Uh, NSA is a, a rather large organization, 500-plus, uh, where when I was with the Houston Rockets and also the Toyota Center, uh, when you're talking full-time staff members, you're talking, I'm trying to remember at the time, 100, 100 to 200 full-time staff members. So a, a smaller organization 
Um, but also, um, you know, within say, we, we don't have a home team. Um, so you, you throw out wins and losses. I, I've always said I, I, I win you every You won a championship year. every year. I, I win a championship <laughs> every year. I'm, un, I'm currently undefeated. Uh, I <laughs> say, that, say that way. So, but, but with that, you know, there's, there's different expectations um, and, and, and differences about not, not being, you know, with, with a home team. You know, being with the Rockets, you felt part of the organization. You felt the wins. You felt the losses. You know, you felt the playoff heartbreaks and you felt the playoff success. Yep. Um, and again, you, with the NCAA, you feel great. You get a you get a hand out of trophy, and you get to see the best competition there is in each sport. Um, but you're not quite as part of it because right. you know you're not you know as you see the membership schools who advance there and they work you know at Kentucky or Indiana yep. or Michigan, uh, and you see you know how they feel when they make it to a championship and they get to celebrate that success. So those are the, the differences, the similarities. I mean, you're still talking fans, you're still talking passionate fans and, and customers and their expectations and, um, you know, working with ticket vendors, um, a lot of the same partners that you can work with. Um, and also, you, you know, it's the same as you're, you're fighting for the, the discretionary income for yeah. those fans to, you know, to want to come to your event. Um, so those are some of the similarities, yeah. but there's probably more, more differences for sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, you know, part of that similarity is, and we've talked about it, is at the end of the day, for, for anybody working with each of those, you've got to have a passion, you know, for your craft and a passion for the business and to go above and beyond for your customers. And so, you know, in your role now, you come across a lot of different people in a lot of different roles and positions. And as you think about the people that you love working with, and at the end of the day, find they just find ways to be successful. What are some of the key characteristics that you've seen, you know, across the way? Um, I've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, the passion. I mean, you love to work with people that have the same passion, the same passion for us, for college athletics and, uh, you know, the student athlete, um, teamwork, people who want to be part of a team, um, and competition, competitive. Um, yep. and, and a lot of those are the same things you would see from athletes themselves. And a lot of people who work in this industry have probably came from competing themselves in, in athletics and maybe not yep. obviously at the highest level. Um, so I think passion, teamwork, competitive, those are some, some, some very similarities to what you see on the court or on the field. Um, other characteristics, I would say fairness and honesty are always important and, uh, to, and to be humble. Um, I think you just have to be humble in this, in, in today's world. Absolutely. No, I love it. And, you know, Josh, I was super excited to have you here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. Just, you know, somebody within, you know, that, that has had experience in both, which, again, we'll talk about your career. But, you know, thinking about your last decade with the NCAA, if you can narrow it down, what has been your best memory? Best memory at the NCAA? Well, as I mentioned, with, with the Rockets, we had some, some great success and playoff um, uh, you know, some playoff appearances, but but never a championship. I was never part of that 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 working for a professional organization and having that championship. And at the NCAA, you know, I get to work on the event that ultimately um, uh, will crown that, crown that, that. champion. So, yeah. you know, you know, men's basketball is, is is our biggest event, and the Final Four is our marquee championship. So that's the one that really gets my passion going the most, is because it's it's the largest, it's the most well known. And, um, you know, my first one that I worked at, I, I started in 2010. So the 2011 Final Four was my first Final Four, and that was actually in Houston. Okay. Um, so it was at the stadium, not, not the Toyota Center where I work. Right. Um, but that Final Four, I didn't get a chance to work 
all year round on it. Just saw the end of it. And it wasn't the best played Final Four. Um, I don't know if you remember, that was when um, it was a very low-scoring uh, Final Four in the championship game. UConn eventually beat Butler for the championship game. Butler, being here from Indianapolis, was, was somewhat was exciting to see the local fan base here. Um, but but that wasn't my best memory. The best memory was when I came full circle and we played the next uh, or the next Final Four in 2016 back in Houston. Okay. So for that one, I got to see full 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 planning. I had a couple right. more Final Fours under my couple belt. Couple more years, yep. I felt like I knew what I was doing a little bit more. <laughs> And then that Final Four was the complete opposite. You know, um, although the Final Four itself, the semifinals, we didn't have very exciting games. But if you remember the 2016 Final Four, that was the last second shot uh, yeah. from Villanova. Chris Villanova, Jacob, yep. Uh, coming off of, of, a, of another pretty miraculous uh, three-pointer by North Carolina. So the, the back and forth there in the championship, the confetti going off right at the end. Uh, was probably my best memory, especially as it came back to, to Houston um, and and kind of validating the 2011 Final Four that didn't leave with such a great taste in, in truly fans' mind. Uh, there was times I thought, you know, we shouldn't be playing in domes because shooting percentages were way down and, and the games weren't as, as exciting. And I think we put all that to rest that year. And, uh, you know, any, any last-second shot, something that, you know, probably going to be played over and over again on highlights of, you know, best – best plays of, of the century or decade or the year, you know, that, that was by far probably my most memorable moment to date. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Josh Logan, Director of Marketing and Ticketing for the NCAA Championships and Alliances. So, Josh, we had just discussed that prior to the NCAA, you were the Assistant General Manager and Senior Director of Ticket Operations for the Houston Rockets. And while you were there, you know, in eight-plus years, you and the team were on the forefront uh, of bringing in a new ticketing system, Access, and, and being the first to work with them as a ticketing provider. So how was that experience for you? Um. It, it was a great experience. I wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. I'm, I'm glad I got the opportunity. It, it was challenging for, for, for sure. I mean, I, I, I came in with the, the most experience in the world. Um, but, you know, I came into Houston in 2002, and they were just finishing the 2002-2003 season, uh, which was the last of the, um, the then compact center or the summit. And really my boss at the time said, don't, don't focus on this last season. We need you to concentrate on opening this new venue, running a box office, um, because we were really a tenant at the time at, at Compact Center. Um, open up a new box office. We're going to be the Houston Rockets. We're going to be doing all the concerts that come come through uh, the tours, but we're going to do this on a, a, a non-traditional ticketing platform, um, and that is still under development. Um, so that really gave me an opportunity to kind of hone my skills in project management, um, you know, had a concrete deadline when we needed it, uh, working with the, with the vendor. But it was a great experience to do that and see the development of, at the time, they were, it was Vertical Alliance. They eventually merged with Flash Seats, became Veritix, and now they're 
access and yep. kind of see their growth and, and, and more into uh, the mainstream. Um, but, you know, again, that project management skills and, and doing that as a as startup, a, a new job, a new venue, um, was just some experience that I was able to take over to, to eventually now my time at the NCAA. Yeah, and I'm sure those project management skills, a little bit of, of is battling headaches at times, you know, with a new ticketing provider. So sure, it was overall great experience, <laughs> to say the least. And so given your experience in ticket operations, much of your team has been on the forefront, especially when it comes to customer service. So what's your advice for anyone, whether they're in sales or service or customer service, the value of going above and beyond? Well, customer service, uh, I mean, you, you have to make sure that your your staff is trained. The training's key. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that training. Um, um, but, but you have to – and you got to repeat that training. Um, you know, from, from the fans and the customers that you're dealing with, you, you need to listen um, and, and apologize for, for why, why they're, if they're bringing something to your attention. Take responsibility um, and ask more questions. Um, so those – um, ultimately, and then you know, hopefully, suggest a solution for the customer that that that, that they're happy with. I'm always kind of going by the mantra that you know, people say the customer is always right, but you know, it's hard to say that. But you can say that they're always in charge. So yes. you have to listen listen to that, and you can take what they're telling you and learn a lot from it. A lot of times, they're going to point out some of your weaknesses and 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 things that you can improve on. Um, right. So. You know that that's not, I guess that would be my advice on how to go about it. Got to got to be well trained, um, and don't ever sacrifice that training and reoccurring training. Um, you know, listen, listen responsibility, and, and ask questions. And constructive feedback is always a key in that as well. And so, Josh, now we're going to go back to the beginning. And you know, when we first chatted, you, you mentioned you grew up in a small town in Ohio, and didn't think I would have any clue. But we ended up actually growing up about 30 minutes apart as you grew up uh, in Lipsick, and certainly where that probably blue collar work ethic comes from. And you you go on to attend Bowling Green State University. So, as you're growing up and ultimately into college, was there an experience or job that you had early on that really solidified? You know what? This is what I want my career in sports to be. Yeah, well, I think it started off. Uh, yeah, it was, it's a small world. You know, talking to you in advance and, and realizing that we grew up, you know, in, a, in Northwest Ohio, not too far far apart, although at, at different times. Um, but you know, I think you know, I grew up in a, in, a, in a pretty small town, but that that afforded me the ability to participate in, in athletics, in high school athletics. So that that's what got me started, um, being able just to to compete and, and play basketball and football and a little bit of baseball. Um, but from that, you know, again, when I went to school, you know, I, I'd say that first experience was, you know, I, I, I went to Bowling Green. They, they had a sport management program that really excited me, and that was the, one of the key factors of me um, going to Bowling Green. And, and right away I said, hey, I want, I want to get involved. Where, how can I volunteer? You know, you know, what can I do? There was internships down the road and, and other experiences, but I wanted to start right away. So what eventually led, led me to um, – their athletic department and their ticket office um, was that's that's where I could get some employment uh, and work games and so all of a sudden I'm I'm not only watching the basketball or not only being a, a, a fan of the, of their basketball team but then uh, eventually working in their ticket office a uh, very very small ticket office at the time so I think those were the that was the experience at first you know. I got on campus. I wanted to work in sports, but I didn't know where. And so I just volunteered and got got um, 
uh, as part of event staff and seeing, seeing all the different elements it takes to run an event. And eventually that got me into a ticket office role that eventually, I, I guess, never really got totally complete out of. Continue to. And I think that's great advice for anybody listening that's still in college right now. What are you doing? Yes, there's going to be internships, and but what are you doing to job shadow? What are you doing to get involved, to gain as much real-life experience as you can as you move into this great career journey? And so, you know, Josh, for you, out of college, you head to Texas State to work in their athletic department, and then ultimately East Tennessee State as well. And so, and, and, you know, fast forward, now you're back in the NCAA, but you, you get a role you know, outside of East Tennessee State, which is an interesting role, and that was trying to get the Canadian Football League to Shreveport, Louisiana. I mean, that sounds difficult in itself, given just the branding of the league, but tell us about that experience for you. Yeah, um, well, like you said, after college, you know, I, I went to school very close to where I grew up, so I um, I looked at my, my, after I graduated, and I still needed an internship to fulfill my degree requirements, I, I decided that, you know, I, I wanted to travel and see a little bit of the country and was willing to kind of step out of my safety, safety zone of Northwest Ohio and go out, so I went to Texas State and um, got more of a well-rounded athletic department internship, and then from there, I kind of, again, focused a little more narrow at East Tennessee State, did an internship strictly in their ticket office. Um, both of those were internships, very low paying. Yep. Covered my expenses, and that's about it. That's about the extent of it. Um, so, you know, you know, looking at a full-time job, you know, I, you know, I was, you know it was kind of like, well, you got to look at the minor league route or you got to look at, you know, maybe a small, again, a smaller athletic department where I could get, you know, a full-time position. Those seemed harder at the time. Um, and I found the minor league route um, opportunity, and it just happened to be minor league that people don't think about. It's minor league football. Uh, you can call it minor league football. The Canadian Football League at the time that was expanding in the U.S. in the 90s. Um, Shreveport was one of their franchises. They played one season and were getting ready for their, their second season. And uh, I didn't know anything about Shreveport, Louisiana, <laughs> but I drove down there, did an interview, and and uh, and stayed and got the job um, and worked for them for for one one full season. So um, before they folded, yeah. uh, so it was a short lived experience. So those listeners who may have wondering about when was the CFL in the United <laughs> States, well, that's probably a reason they're not anymore. There, there's probably a summer, a reason. Yeah, there's the summer spring league and uh, you know playing in the in some of the south um, cities. But you know there was Shreveport, there was Memphis, uh, Birmingham, San Antonio, Sacramento. Probably missing one or two there. Our listeners Baltimore. are going on Wikipedia right now and looking into yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. It was a fun time though. It was, it uh, was just great. a great learning experience, I'm sure. Yeah, and like I said, it's you know for a lot of listeners, you're you're going to have to start in the minor leagues. Now everyone goes right to the right to your you know what you're you know what you're looking at or seeing on TV. Um, it, you know, it takes a while to get there. So that was that was my stepping stone and. Um, unfortunately, it was short-lived. The team only, uh, you know, played two seasons and, and folded after my first year there. and got me looking again. Yep. No, absolutely. And so you were looking again, and you know, not only was that the Canadian Football League an experiment and a great experience for you, you landed a job with the Cincinnati Reds, but you certainly had an interesting, you know, first day and week. You, would you mind sharing with uh, the listeners what, on your first day, first week? Yeah, well, yeah, um, I'll share a little bit how I got there. Um, well, like I said, the, the CFL team folded. Um, I had family who lived in Cincinnati, so um, I, I moved back to I moved to Cincinnati, and and uh, you know, again, I kind of thought college athletics was probably where I would would end up, and so, but I couldn't get a you know a full time um, position. But University of Cincinnati was uh, offering internships, so once again, I went the internship route. 
Um, I said I loved internships so much I did three of them. You continued uh, it on. Um, but at, at the University of Cincinnati, I got connected with some people who worked game days for the Cincinnati Reds and so and, and tickets, and so I got to know them, and then eventually they said well, they just lost uh, – the person was leaving, an entry-level position in their ticket office. I could make a recommendation. Um, ultimately, they made a recommendation, and I got I got hired uh, to work uh, entry-level with the Cincinnati Reds in their ticket office. And um, so my first day on the job, as I mentioned to you, um, this was the Cincinnati Reds era of Marge Schott and, uh, as the owner um, and during her suspension. She was currently on, 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 sus- on suspension for, you know, some of the remarks and um, behavior that she, she made. Um, and at the time, uh, my first day, as, as typical first days, you kind of go around and get introduced to everybody. And I, I was doing that. And it took, a, you know, a couple of them where I, I felt like, I was missing something, that something was over my head. They would introduce myself, and there was kind of a nod and a shake and welcome aboard and, you know, a little bit of that. And by, by the end of it, I think maybe maybe it was at the lunch hour, my, my boss at the time kind of mentioned, did, did you read the newspaper today? And I'm like, I was so nervous the first day on the job, you know, and right. making sure I got, got to the office on time and everything. I, I didn't, you know, read the newspaper. This was before social media. Yeah, I was going to say, social media is not going to give you an alert on your phone back then. Yeah, so there was a front page story on the sports section, front page of the sports, about uh, about Marge's suspension and things that she was upset about that was going on. And there was a couple pretty significant ones, more about the players and team performance, et cetera. But one of the bullet points there was uh, she was upset about a new hire within the organization that she didn't sign off on. And I was that new hire. Um, and so that's what people were kind of commenting about. I read the, read the article, and it even made SportsCenter at the time, uh, <laughs> ne- never mentioning my name, but just, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the, the new hire uh, that, that she didn't get, get sign-off approval on um, at the time. So it was, it was quite the first day for that reason at, at, the, at the Reds. To, to say the least, and, and just, you know, an entry-level position, you're making it on ESPN. That's, uh, that's quite the story and I guess quite the bucket list as well. And so after, after spending a couple years at the Reds, you go back into the college landscape and with Eastern Michigan, you help open up a new venue. And then, you know, and then right before, you know, you had one more stop after that before the Rockets, and that was you decided to get out of sports, and you started working at Dactronics. And so, you know, there's certainly a lot of people that, that we've all talked to that have considered getting out of sports because of our pay, whatever their personal or professional reasons were. But that only lasted a year until you got the itch to get back into the sports landscape and ultimately landing at the Rockets. So what is your advice to listeners or if, if they're thinking about potentially leaving that sports landscape, given that you did that once? Yeah, and it it wasn't quite planned all that way or see how everything ended. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't mapped out like that at the time for sure. But, yeah, I, you know, I I did a couple uh, or I did a season, I guess you could say, with the Cincinnati Reds in the professional world. And I realized just how long a a baseball season was, (laughs) Um, you know, and I was entry level. So I kind of got the dog hours. I got the late hours. I got the last shift, close, close it up, you know, you know, an hour after the game and, in baseball, there's no clock, so the game you never knew what that game was nope. going to be over. Um, and uh, and I got an opportunity to, um, then at Eastern Michigan again. I still had a drive of college athletics and going, working in an athletic department. I, I finally got that ability to be a you know the, the main person. And again, it was entry level, kind of the third person in charge with the Reds to the main person at, at Eastern Michigan. But 
um, and opening up another uh, or opening up a, a new venue there in Eastern Michigan. So that was a great opportunity that I took advantage of. And then three years there and a few changes of leadership and, and roles and uh, things that at my time, I wasn't sure if that felt like my long-term fit. Yep. Um, there was a, a scoreboard company called Dactronics that was looking to hire salespeople that would work remotely, travel a, a geographical region, um, and ultimately sell scoreboards to anything from high school scoreboards to the the pro stadium large video boards that you see in all these all these stadiums today. Um, and that sounded interesting uh, at the time. You know, like I said, I worked three years at Eastern and felt like I did a lot and all I could do there and um, thought about jumping in a new career path and, and completely something completely different to me at the time, basically a traveling salesperson. So yep. I did that, um, and it ended up being a short time because I got a call within that, that first year. I was, I was doing it from somebody I met with the Shreveport Pirates, and he was now the sale, he was the sales director of the Pirates and said, hey, I'm now the sales director of the Houston Rockets, and you're the only ticket operations person I know, or you had a good you know good work ethic, yep. and you were – Horrible salesperson, but you were a good, had good work ethic in your ticket operations. Would you like to come work for the Rockets? So, um, came full circle. So eventually, I, I got to the Rockets, and I'd say, I guess going back to advice, um, you know, again, I, I was looking for a better opportunity, but that opportunity ended up, you know, not being as, um, making me as happy as I, I thought it would. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted better financial opportunity and, and things of that nature. And, Sometimes you can't put a price on, you know, just enjoying your work. So my advice would be is, you know, find enjoy what you're doing um, yep. more so than – That's the than most just, important thing. Just the, the, the dollar signs. And then, you know, again, and I was lucky. I got a call back and, and brought me kind of back into what I, I did. But luck was also that I built relationships. I, I, um, I, you know, I stayed in his head for an example of somebody down the road. Um, and that's what you have to do as well. No, absolutely. And so, Josh, finally, you did a great – you also do a great job of getting involved in outside organizations to assist, you know, and, and to help upcoming future superstars in this industry, you know, like the Intex and different things like that. So why is that always beneficial for you? Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the best things I did uh, in my – when I started out. Um, I had uh, – at Eastern Michigan, someone identified – Intex at the time, or um, you know, as a as a good conference to go and learn 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 things from. So especially as we were opening up a, a new venue, so I went there and I kind of fell in love with the um, how they ran things as far as um, uh, what I could learn, uh, network, the trade show, um, and then so I took that when I went to Houston. I wanted to stay involved, and and I did. And um, there was a annual conference of Intex that ended up being in Houston, and I was given the opportunity to be the chair of that conference. Um, that ultimately led me into being um, selected or nominated and selected to be on their board of directors. So those types of organizations are there's there's all tons of them around, and um, yep. every in depending on what your your area of expertise is. Um, but that was very valuable for me. From it helped me move throughout my career learn and network and just really build some great friendships too. I mean, those are the people, especially now you look at what with, with COVID and the pandemic and everybody, you know, getting upside down. Those are the people now we're, we're, we're discussing and learning from and, you know, everyone's got to change a little bit how they're doing things. And so, you know, that, that's turned out great for me in a number of different ways. 
No, that's awesome. Well, Josh, this has been great. Ton of great advice. Fun to certainly hear about your journey in both professional and collegiate sports, and certainly now with the NCAA. So to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I've heard a lot about it, so I'm ready to be on the hot seat. Yeah. All right. I, well, I try to change up the questions every time, so you know, I may stump you a little bit. But, uh, Josh, if you could be any kitchen utensil, what would you be and why? Kitchen utensil. Um, well, some would say here in the house, I wouldn't even know where the kitchen is. Uh, <laughs> you know where the grill is outside. Yeah, that's um, all that matters. Uh, I would say, um, what is it called? A whisk. It okay. um, kind of stirs everything around. Yep. You take a, you, you got to take a couple different ingredients, and especially my role now. You, you got you got marketing, you got right. sales, you got operations. Um, you got to take all of the best ingredients. You got to get the best out of those ingredients. You got to got to whisk them around. Uh, ultimately, to you know, I guess make it a cake, stick it in the oven to make make that um, that item. So you, you need great ingredients uh, to make that final good product. It's just you know, for us, it's you know, selling out events. Yeah. Um, you need good people to do that. Um, and I guess I'm kind of the one that maybe stirs whisk it together. Things stirs around together. and whisk it together. Love it. Smart. Taking your smartphone out, what would you say is your most used emoji? Most used emoji. Um, well, I like the positive ones, so I would say either just the thumbs up one. Okay. Uh, or the or the smiling the smiling face. Smiling face. Nice. Positive encouragement. Nice. If you could be on any reality TV show, what would you be on? We did find a sweet spot there. I do love reality shows. Okay. Um, well, well, the um, to a certain extent, I, I'm a I'm a huge Survivor fan. I've watched every every season. Okay. Uh, and most of those with with my with my family and my kids. Um, although I don't think I could do Survivor. I'm not quite <laughs> that You're not ready for that. Um, and then, so I would probably say for me it would be Amazing Race. I would. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure who my partner would be. Um, um, but you know, to tour around the world and, and do that, uh, that would be, uh, I'd like to travel, um, to different parts of, yeah, the, a lot of, great of the world. That, that would be the one I would do much more than sleeping on an eye. You know, an <laughs> yeah, that looks a little rough. I agree. Yeah. Well, to, to close it out, you know, again, appreciate all your advice. What are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, advice. Uh, there, there's so much advice you can get out there. Um, I guess for me, uh, you know, always learn, always be learning. Um, education can come in a lot of different ways, uh, but be a lifelong learner. There's so many new things, um, and, and technology keeps advancing so fast. You have to, you have to keep up um, with that. So that'd be number one. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. You got to find a job you enjoy. You have to, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, and then uh, find a mentor and be a mentor. Um, you know, I've been I've been blessed. I've, I've had some really great people that I've got to work for, uh, work and, and learn from along the way, um, and some that you know maybe didn't enjoy with, but you could learn different different things. You from. learn and different I've, things from. Yep, exactly. But I I try to hopefully give that back a little bit and be a mentor to others. Um, and, and I love seeing you know st- a staff of mine who who move on to. To something bigger and better, um, you know, down the road. Not everyone can stay with one within one organization, and ultimately, they kind of want your job as well. So, right. um, so you know, be, find a mentor, uh, and, and then eventually be a mentor. I couldn't agree with any time. Absolutely, couldn't agree more, Josh. You know, as you think about the evolving marketplace, you've you've always got to be learning. You always got to be open to new ideas, willing to pivot. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy. 
you know, both personally and professionally, you're never going to be successful. So enjoying what you're doing. And then, you know, mentorship can come in all different layers, right? It's, you know, you may be just a, a, an inside sales team member, but there might be another inside sales or an intern that's looking up to you. So having that mentorship and mentors, great advice. Josh, again, thank you so much. You've had a great career, certainly a fun journey to talk through today and always talk to the Northwest Ohio people. But so it's been a pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you, Travis. And for all those listeners out there and your, your alumni base, I hope, hope you make it to the NCAA championship and your team gets to win. There you go. He, you know, because you know you're always going to win the championship. I'm, I'm undefeated. <laughs> Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Two thousand twenty has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you can. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.